Welcome to the Queer Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Elise, and each week I'll be interviewing a queer person about their experiences in fitness and sports. This week, I talked to Riley, a trans fencer who qualified for the NCAAs. This episode of the Queer Fitness Podcast is sponsored by our Patreon. When you support this podcast on Patreon, you are helping make this labor of love a long-lasting one. And the first goal covers monthly audiophile hosting and transcription costs. You get access to patron-only perks like bonus content from every episode. Support the show at patreon.com slash queerfitnesspod. introduce yourself, uh, your name, your queer identity, your pronouns, um, hobbies, or what you're up to, what you're doing for sports, I guess. Yeah, I mean, um, well, my name's Riley. Um, It's it's funny, like, I feel like identity is always such a hard thing, but I'm definitely, like, a trans woman, because I feel like woman sounds like you're old and stuff, but I guess I'm getting old at this point. Um, you're an adult so i think yeah it's, exactly. it's appropriate yeah i think for lots of trans people it's like you skip the whole like kid thing it's weird you know you're just like oh shit i'm this now yeah um but anyway so that's what i am um my um <laughs> it's kind of funny to be talking about hobbies like <clears throat> like it's definitely changed over the years but um currently it's just looking like a lot of you know, Netflix and Xbox, you know, my <clears throat> my mom's actually sick, so I'm doubly avoiding as many people and places as I can, so not, she doesn't have coronavirus, but she's she's sick otherwise, so I'm just trying to make sure I, now that I'm home, you know, I'm lucky to be home, I guess, but um, just making sure that I take care of my parents, not put them at risk, not put myself at risk, not put other people at risk, so it's just a lot of Netflix and Xbox. But, you know, I play um, video games, um, like, sporadically. Like, I feel like it's something I go in and out of. I um, I play chess a lot. That's a passion of mine for a long time, since even before fencing. Like, I think I started probably when I was five or six, which is crazy for, for anything, you know? Yeah. Um, and then... I used to DJ parties. I really love music, like alternative. I love um, electronic, and I also like different kinds of rock. Like I think my top artists last year were Max O'Cream, who's a rapper from Houston. I don't know why my voice is doing this. Um, Flume, who's a guy from Australia, who's really cool, and then the White Stripes. So I'm all over the place for music, which I, I really like. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I, I spend so much time fencing um, when I'm in season or when that's when that's on my, you know, horizon. But, but the rest kind of fades away into school and trying to sleep and be healthy and see friends. So this semester, your classes are online now, right? Yeah, exactly. It's super, um, it's super frustrating. The um, we we found out like I guess a little over two weeks ago that they're gonna kick us out and everything. But at that point, they hadn't canceled the season. Um, like NCAA hadn't canceled or anything. So I could have actually stayed at BC because they ended up extending housing for all the athletes for the whole semester. Oh, wow. Which was nice. 
But then, like, the day after, they canceled everything in the NCAA, and I was like, I don't want to stay here and, like, potentially be putting myself at risk or, or, you know, depending on how bad things got, like, be, you know, away from my family or people who might need me. So it was definitely a, a tough choice to leave, but, but not as tough as, you know, having you know, your senior second semester taken away and, and all like, you know, the championships for your season and all of that, that was much more frustrating. So, so yeah, this is second semester of your senior year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. How is that with uh, the season ending and, you know, everything sort of up in the air, I guess, with uh, the, I don't know, what, what, what are you doing with fencing and how is, Literally nothing. <laughs> I'm I'm very like on again off again. I hadn't before this season like done anything athletic in like eighteen months. Like I um I kinda thought I was done. Um, you know, I, I took I took like about a year off from BC after my sophomore year. Um then I went abroad in the fall and then I took the spring semester off because I was um after my sophomore year I was like I had to focus on myself. Um and, and, you know, just figure out who I am and all of that. I, I, and I didn't really want to have, you know, fencing in the background. And, and BC is also super challenging. So I, I wanted some space to, to figure stuff out. And so I was like, okay, I'll go abroad, which I think for most people isn't necessarily the most um, logical next step. But for me, I was like, I know that it'll be a place that I'll enjoy and that it's also will be like a lower pressure environment, you know, so assuming everything goes well it'll be good for me over there and then taking the next semester off and again just to kind of be away from everything um and well you can sort of reinvent yourself in a new place i i i mean yeah i wasn't even out at that point but yeah i just needed you know time for myself and everything and um and yeah i mean that was that was the goal it didn't it didn't really end up happening because then um, you know, being home was fine and all of that, and it was good, but I couldn't really accomplish all the things I wanted to, and I definitely was starting to butt heads with my parents, so I was like, screw it, I'll go back to school, um, I'll, and I went, I went in the summer, I'll do summer school, I'll, I took five classes over the summer, which was ridiculous, and I was like, I'm going to graduate on time, and at least try to get my degree finished, and then go from there, you know, because I was like, I was like, this is at least an important thing to have done while I try to figure everything else out. Um, and so then when I went back for the summer, I was like, um, I'd done some research. And again, I, I, you know, in my bio or whatever, I said I'm the first trans athlete to qualify for like NCAs at a Div 1 level. I don't know that empirically to be true. It's not like the NCAA came out and gave me a plaque or anything. Right. But frankly, they don't care. But as far as I... As far as I know, I am the only one, um, given what I've looked up, given other people in the community that I've talked to um, that, have, that have accomplished similar milestones. I've asked them about it, and as far as I know, they haven't heard of anyone, because I know there there was a girl who um, was running D1 the same year, actually, and she didn't make it, um, but she got a lot of bad press. Then there was a girl in Division Two who, I think, won like division two championships again in running um these two girls were in running but that was division two and again not to take away from that accomplishment but just trying to make my own unique and different 
but also at the time I was like, okay, I'll go back to fencing. I'll see if I can try to make some milestones or at least be visible because that was the whole goal. Um, they, I hadn't heard of them. They, they hadn't even done that yet. Right, um, right. So, so yeah, so I, but that wasn't even on the table yet. And, um, and yeah, you know, I mean, I, I was in horrible shape, you know, I'd been, I'd been on medication at that point too. And I'd been like, I mean, essentially partying for, you know, in Spain, like we just went out every night. So, I mean, I was in horrific shape, not that I've ever been in good shape. I feel like, you know, some people have, um, you know, genes for one thing or for another thing. And I feel like no matter how, like, like I have a crazy metabolism and no ability to build muscle. So it's like, it's like I'm just so thin constantly, no matter what I do. But um, I worked out like all summer, took classes all summer, and really worked on getting back into shape so that once the, the school year started and the season started, I could get get back into fencing and, and not get hurt. Because I've also had various injuries over the years. Um, and so that was a big reservation of mine. I didn't want to get hurt again. Um, obviously, nobody wants to get hurt. Yeah, so you qualified this or pr- last semester or this semester? Yeah, and well, the, the season the season starts in like I think I think like this year it technically started like October first, maybe. So yeah, the season's basically the whole year. So so the way you qualify is based off of um, both your regular season performance and your performance at one tournament at the end of the year. Um, and it's like, I think 40% your regular season and 60% the, um, your regional tournament. And so there's, there's a few different regions. Um, and, um, and I'm in the biggest one. So basically, um, given how I placed there and I had a a pretty strong regular season, um, that's how I qualified. So it's, it's a little bit different because I feel like in, if you're thinking about team sports, I mean, I don't, I don't know who listens or what sports they like, or if they even know about the NCAA, but a lot of it has to do with, um, like other people's opinions, quote unquote, like they're like in college football or college basketball, unless you do certain things to guarantee your eligibility into the playoffs, like, um, you don't make it, you know, you could have a really great season and be overlooked. Like if we're talking about March Madness, like unless you do like unless you win a, a conference tournament or you do something um, very hard to do, yeah. you don't make it. But um, and so it's it's kind of a, a great system and a bad system, especially as um, there's more and more more schools who compete at a high level, and more and more people do it in the NCAA because there's so many really great people, and especially um, in because there's there's actually three different weapons in fencing as well. And I fence the one that's that's the most common. So there's even more competition, and there's even more um, like like my my weapon. There's and it's weird because it's it's so hard to describe to people who don't necessarily fence. But in in like my sport, it's like or my my weapon. Like so, my like subsection of my sport, it's the one where there's most likely to be upsets. And so I literally came into the the tournament at the end of the year. Um, I think I was seated third. Um, which is which was very high, honestly, and, and surprising because my my coach the whole year was like, and even even after I qualified, he was like, "This is one of the biggest upsets ever." Um, in fencing, it's even more tough to kind of qualify for NCAA championships because 
no matter how good your season is, still 60% of it comes down to one day. Right. And um, you fence these different round, like round robin pools. And um, I, I, in my first pool, I, I literally lost to two people who were, again, like they're, they're both great fencers, like no problems with them. But, but theoretically, compared to how I'd been doing, not very good, right? They're just not at that same level. And I got my, my like I got my ass kicked by two people like right off the bat. And the way these round robin pools work, it's it's um, the way you dance is both off of win percentage and your indicator. And so it was like not only did I start off in my first pool having lost twice, but I also had a horrible indicator. So it was like I wasn't setting myself up at all well to succeed. Um, but I ended up making it through that one and um, and ended up making it all the way to the last pool and, and doing well, but. But um, it's just more of a testament to, to how tough it is because there's lots of people, um, you know, who will have a great season. Um, and, you know, having that much both pressure in the one day and also that much variability in the one day, just because, you know, certain matchups aren't ideal or or maybe somebody's figured you out, they really studied you or or any any number of things. It, it just makes it even harder to do um, to have that kind of a great result. Yeah, let's talk about how you got into fencing. Like, when did you start? And yeah, and I you mean, said I it's started... an on-off sort of path for you with us. Yeah, I mean, I started when I was like nine. I want to say, like, which is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I mean, there have definitely been some breaks in there, but from injuries, um, like I had a really bad concussion. When I was 14, I think 14, 15, my sophomore, I was 14, but it would have been my sophomore year because I'm still 21 and I'm a senior. So it would have been my sophomore year of, um, of high school. I had a really bad concussion. So I, I missed like basically the whole season because I, I got like, I think it was January that I got a concussion. So I, that, that basically, because the, both the collegiate fencing season and the, you know the national international fencing season for basically the whole year. Yeah. How do you get kind a of run- How do you get a concussion fencing? It well, seems like it's not one well, of number, those. Well, it is a context for right. number one, and then um, the first one I was fencing was a lot taller than me, and they kind of fell, and um, and they were. I mean, I'm I'm relatively tall, but they were even taller, and they they hit their head on mine, but also because they were like falling they ended up like throwing me to the floor so i'm pretty sure we we definitely had heads but then i'm pretty sure i also hit my head on the floor or whatever and i didn't know that i had a concussion at the time and i kept fencing that tournament and that was actually when i got like my first like national like division one rating wow. and so and so i and so i was like super pumped up but i definitely wasn't feeling great at the same time um and and my and I didn't actually even have any parents there at the time. So, um, like my dad when he came to take me up, he's like, "What's going on?" And they they said that they evaluated me for concussion because of whatever had happened, but, but that I seemed like okay enough or whatever. Um, but um, it definitely got bad that night, and so I had a concussion. Then I had um, you know, on again off again injuries with my back. And then also just, you know, different frustrations with the sports. So definitely um, there, there's been plenty of time away from fencing, um, you know, which is, you know, it's definitely not necessarily ideal, but, you know, between personal reasons and then, 
you know, injuries. I mean, you got to take care of yourself as well. Um, there's some big chunks of time where I also wasn't fencing. Maybe because I don't know enough about fencing or the listeners don't know enough about fencing. You uh, fight with one weapon, but what are the other weapons? And did you choose this one type early on or did that change or? Yeah. So yeah, there's three different weapons. Um, I fence Epe, which is like, I would say there's the most strategy and maybe the least physical in terms of what gives you advantages. Not to say that you don't need to be in really great shape and that it's not physical, but I would say that um, Epe, there's there's the most, um, there, there's just a lot more, more thought going into Epe than, um, than Saber or Foil. And um, I didn't choose at all. It was, um, you know, this old Polish guy who was like, this is what you're going to do, basically. And I have no idea if it's because of when I went. I have no idea if it's just because that was what he saw on me. I have no clue. But there's definitely no way that I could fence Saber Foil. You know, there's some people who um, I, I would say can do all of them successfully. Some people that would have better success, you know, maybe switching between them, but there, there's no way I would succeed in the other weapons at all. It's just not my temperament, um, not 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 my body type. I think body type's a big thing about it, um, too, just in who succeeds. And um, in my body type also would not be right for the, the other weapons. I mean, I, maybe I could fence foil, but I've never even tried, you know, as, as great as that sounds. I think I fence savory maybe once or twice in my life and I've never ever fenced foil. So it's like as weird as that sounds. I don't I don't know if that's normal for other people who fence. Um but I it's just been been my experience and, and yeah, I mean I was nine years old and this Polish guy was like, that's what you're gonna do. So so that's what I did. Um so did you play any other sports as a kid? I think I saw a picture of you playing lacrosse. Is that in oh, high school? Yeah, in high school. Um, yeah. Or has it just I been mean, chess and fencing? No, no, I, I did. I played, I think soccer was technically like my first sport ever. Like we're talking very, very young. Right. Um, and then, yeah, I, I played lacrosse throughout high school. There was definitely at least one year where I didn't play. And I, I did concussion also my sophomore year. So I think I was technically on the team that year, but I didn't do anything. Um, I played like some basketball in middle school. I, I was not good at it. Um, I played football in middle school. Was not good at it. I mean, I at least kind of liked it, but like again, it just really wasn't my thing. Um, that might be it for me. I mean, I mean, this ultimate frisbee can as a sport. I'm not trying to sure. play as ultimate frisbee, <laughs> but I, I definitely played that. Um, at different parts, of, you know. I think it's fun. I just, I have no clue. I mean, um, I definitely played that a lot more in like, you know, middle school age as well. Um, I don't know. I've, I've always loved to watch football, honestly. That's kind of been my, the only sport I follow outside of fencing. So it is, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, lacrosse was, was, I guess, my next biggest sport. I played that the most in high school, I guess. So I played that technically varsity level throughout my time in high school I, I definitely enjoyed that a lot being on that team um it was definitely good memories there I guess 
Um, yeah, let's talk um, some about uh, your transition, um, because you mentioned to me that you started hormones before you came out, maybe to your team or uh, to other people. Yeah, just at all. Yeah, or I, mean, to... I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, my my family knew at that point. Um, a, a few of my close friends, and then my my ex as well. They all knew, but but yeah, no, I mean, I, I actually even started before I went abroad. You know, I don't, I don't think. I mean, again, not that um, that I don't want to talk about it, but you know, the whole timeline, and everything is um, definitely you know more medical history than anything. But but yeah, I mean, not not that there's the right way to do anything, but I certainly, I guess, haven't done things the conventional way. Not that anybody you know has to go a specific path, but well, and also but yeah. also with a lot of trans people, there is no conventional way. You're sort of figuring well, right, it out right. for your own. Right, yeah, but I, but I, I started hormones um, way before I, I started presenting. Um, you know, just with, with very few people knowing. So that was definitely, I guess, interesting. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Uh, were you, like, um, did you like want the body changes, but not the presentation or I, again, how however much you're comfortable talking about that, but yeah, I mean, I just kind of like, again, like I'm, I'm lucky in that, you know, my parents and, and other people still like, at least being about my family, like still want to have a relationship with me, but there definitely wasn't enough understanding or me feeling comfortable. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just basically wanted to have, to have some, at least any, amount of changes start to happen before I really um you know started presenting to the whole world I mean that's mostly my own problem you know I mean it's definitely um you know I mean it's just tough you know there's I don't think there's the right way to do it but for me um I definitely like needed to start that before I really started anything else about of my transition I just was what made the most sense for me logically. Yeah. Um, and and I, I know that I'm also lucky in that regard because I, I know that that um, things are changing, but I know I know historically um, that that in like recent history, even that people needed to have been presenting for at least a year before doctors would ever consider giving you hormones. So um, definitely lucky in many different regards. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it was just, uh, there was never the intention of going back to competing or anything like that. It was just more of something I knew I had to do for myself. And I just kind of had to figure it out, you know, one day at a time, you know, deal with different personal battles, deal with different, like, you know, figure different things out with my family and all of that. And, um, and then also I wanted to keep pursuing my degree. There's just so many different variables, obviously, sort of for everybody. Um, but then this year you've shared several, you know, pictures of you with trans flags and uh, at Pride, I think even. Right. So you've been more open this year, I guess. But well, I mean, but yeah, I mean, I definitely um, want to be visible. I mean, my Instagram's public, and I've tried to, you know, post some of my accomplishments out there because I feel like there's always so much bad news um, in regards to trans people, and especially even if you don't want to talk about bad news, just, like, I feel like there's a lot of negativity within the community, uh, just in terms of, like, 
statistics you hear, and especially now all these states trying to put put in horrible legislatures and and stuff like that. You know, I feel like any positive things or examples of trans people succeeding are really important for me um, to see that kind of stuff. And I also think, um, it, like personally, like it's like I, like finding people that. I mean, I, I think it's kind of funny because, you know, I mean, a lot of people talk about role models and I'm always like, well, why is that important? Um, but it's definitely, I realized more recently in life that it's it's hard to not see people that you connect with at all. And I think that was part of my reason why I never really thought about having one was because I'm like, you know, I'm my own person, I'm unique, whatever, but it's, I think it's more just from the lack of having seen people that I feel like I'm similar to. Um so so just trying to be out there and trying to be maybe somebody that other people can look to in terms of both is just somebody having a shared experience or similar experience as well as somebody who is succeeding uh even in some microcosm you know even even in some small level um but still succeeding i i feel like nonetheless um and just living you know i i feel like those are all things that that are honestly hard to take for granted um, within our community. So that's just kind of been my goal. And, um, you know, as long as I can be out there and accomplishing things, I'll, I'll do my best to, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, back to fencing for a second, because we talked some about uh, the NCAA qualifications and that kind of thing, but... Um, what a lot of trans people struggle with is their organizations rules, um, you know, uh, against trans people, basic competing. Um, but what have been your experiences with that, I guess? Um, well, right. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, um, like, like I think I told you there's, there's a manual, um, online detailing, at least on the NCAA who can and cannot compete. Um, or, or based, basically where based off of your, um, you know, where you are medically what you can do. And, um, and, um, and yeah, in the NCAA, it's, it's pretty vague. It says if you're, um, you know, assigned male at birth, if you want to compete on, or if you want to compete on a team without switching it to be a mixed team, you have to have completed a year of, of hormone treatment. I don't know if it's, I don't remember the exact verbiage, but, but it's, um, I would say that's the most lenient of any high level sports. Right. Um, not that, I mean, I, I mean, no, I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think that it's bad. I mean, I, I think that it's good, honestly, but there have been, again, this is, this is just, from the little things my school has told me, like, I mean, not, not that it's surprising going to a Jesuit school, but I was the first ever trans athlete at BC. Um, and I think it within the Atlantic Coast Conference, I was only the second ever. Um, I think I think they said that, that a year or two before there had been a girl who played basketball at Georgia Tech. I don't know her name. Um, I don't know if she was out. I honestly don't know. I, I couldn't find anything about her when I tried looking it up. But um, very uncharted territory, both for, for my school and for, for even my conference. Um, and the NCAA didn't provide a lot of guidelines. 
Um, so for me, I was just getting a note from my doctor. And um, it, it, like just basically, um, get, I mean, just getting in with the, like there's, um, if anybody on here just who's listening has been involved in collegiate sports, at least in D1, there's, uh, you know, you've got a lot of doctors on staff and, and different support through athletic trainers and, and all kinds of different athletic personnel. So, you know, just basically making sure I had a support system, they kind of, because, um, you know, I feel like I've always had problems. I'm not, I'm not talking about mental or any kind of problems, but just within athletics, like I think hurt. So I already knew all the athletic trainers. I already, I already knew a lot of people. And um, I, like, it was very surprising, to be honest. I mean, like, BC is, is its, well, you know, its own institution. Um, and, I, and I don't think maybe at a larger level they supported me, but from within athletics, um, it was an incredibly positive experience. They were incredibly supportive. Um, and, and that's kind of been my experience throughout, honestly, is I've been getting a lot more support than I expected. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, I went into it just kind of thinking I was done fencing. Yeah. I'd had a very, um, like, I'd had a very solid season my sophomore year, but it ended in a very bad night. And I was just like, you know, maybe this is all I'm going to get out of it. But, um, so I guess on that note, I can relate to having to choose. Um, but then I came back, you know, and things have been really great. So that's in regards to NCAA. In regards to the USFA, which is the U.S. Fencing Association, um, I'm definitely not the first trans fencer. I don't know about internationally, but in this country, there definitely have been trans fencers, but I think it's a lot more cumbersome in the USFA. Um, I competed at one tournament, um, like a Division One national tournament, in January because my, my school took me. They were just like, they, they took all the starters basically um, to go compete, you know, try to stay in shape and over over the long winter break. And um, and they, they definitely, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to get mad at, at one of my organizations, but they, you know, after I'd signed up and I'd, and I'd emailed them and made sure I like cleared everything in theory, they were, they weren't, they, like the day before I was supposed to compete, I competed in a team event. And then also individually, but the day I was, like, before I was supposed to compete the first time, they literally told me that I couldn't compete at, like, 5 p.m. because I hadn't, like, provided them with certain things, and I hadn't done this and that. Um, and so that was a really bad experience for many reasons. Um, and well, they're, they're saying, like, technically you can compete, but we're going to make you jump through as many loopholes as possible. Well, well, yeah, it was just, like, again, like, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that the, the biggest problem for me was that, you know, I literally had in emails and all kinds of things people I had talked to, you know, I changed certain things on my profile. Um, but directly I talked to all these people and had in more than one place, like email confirmation that like, yeah, you're good to go. Um, we have everything we need from you. And then it just, yeah, I mean, I mean, not to use the word dramatic, but it's like just short of that when you're, when literally at 5 p.m., I mean, because, I mean, everybody who competes has their own, their own ways of getting ready and everything, but I literally was, like, had left the venue from supporting, like, some of my teammates all day and was really trying to, you know, get focused and get ready to compete the next day, and I get called from a number I don't recognize, and I'm told that I have to present them with all this information and this and that, and it was just very, I mean, again, like, using the word unfair is, 
I feel like calling anything unfair, it's like, well, life's unfair. But it was, you know, it was just ridiculous, honestly, and, and, and very, honestly, disappointing. Like, I don't, I don't know what else to say about it, you yeah. know, but, um, but I mean, they ended up letting me compete, and I, I did okay. I mean, I literally hadn't done anything all winter break, like, so, and, and then it had been New Year's a few days before, so I'd been out partying and everything um like literally like recently so i um i mean i i think i i think i finished like top 50 or maybe top 60 i don't remember but um which is a very good result you you get points for that so i i got ranked again in the country and for that um and then in the team event my team finished third which was which is i think a bigger deal um so i was really happy to be part of that um but it was, I don't know, it was definitely not a good experience and um, was disappointing, to say the least. Where can people find you? Um, like your Instagram profile, that kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd, I'd love um, for people to reach out to me. It's um, Instagram is, is, is probably the best, unless I want to like leave my phone number out in the world. <laughs> I would say definitely Instagram. I mean, it's R-Y-L-I-E. R-U-E-D-A. It's just my first name, last name, Riley Rueda. This episode of the Queer Fitness Podcast is sponsored by our Patreon. When you support this podcast on Patreon, you are helping make this labor of love a long-lasting one. And the first goal covers monthly audiophile hosting and transcription costs. You get access to patron-only perks like bonus content from every episode. Support the show at patreon.com slash queerfitnesspod. Mm-hmm.